are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering online. Please go to www.hopechurchguildford.com for more details. We look forward to getting to know you. Yeah, great. Yeah, thank you. So we're going to be digging into chapters 8 and 9 in just a few minutes' time. And chapter 8 really is a bit of a roadmap that Noah uh, has for getting out of the ark, for unlocking. And, and obviously that has much relevant, re- relevance for us. And then chapter 9 is really all about covenant and God's covenant promise that he makes to, Ab- uh, to Noah. So we're going to really look into that in a big way. And, uh, and so... At, when we were kind of working through this week, we know we're going to preach on chapters eight and nine. And then the question is, well, do we sit and listen to the whole of the two chapters or do we just pick out some nuggets? We've decided, actually, I want to encourage you to sit back, enjoy these two chapters. This is God's word. This is probably the best part. In fact, it is the best part of this morning's meeting. And so sit back, enjoy. We've put a little bit of music behind so you can really soak in these amazing words that Becca is going to read to us now. For 40 days the flood kept coming on the earth, and as the waters increased, they lifted the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased gently on the earth, and the ark floated on the surface of the water. They rose greatly on the earth, and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to a depth of more than 15 cubits. Every living thing that moved on land perished, birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth and all mankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. People, animals and the creatures that move along the ground and birds were wiped out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him on the ark. The waters flooded the earth for 150 days. But God remembered Noah and the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark and sent a wind over the earth. And the waters receded. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens had been closed and the rain had stopped falling from the sky. The water receded steadily from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the water had gone down And on the 17th day of the 17th month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. The waters continued to recede until the 10th month, and on on the first day of the 10th month, the tops of the mountains became visible. After 40 days, Noah opened a window that he had made in the ark and sent out a raven, and it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove, to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground. But the dove could find nowhere to perch because there was water all over the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent the dove out again, but this time it did not return to him. By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. 
By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground, so they can multiply on the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So Noah came out together with his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, all the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on land, came out of the ark, one kind after another. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed a burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the, pleasant, the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all the living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall on the beasts of the earth and on all the birds in the sky on every creature that moves along the ground and on all the fish in the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you, just as I gave you the green plants and now give everything, and now give you everything. But you must not eat the meat that has lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal and from each human being too. I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed, for in the image of God has God made mankind. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number, multiply on the earth and increase upon it. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all of the wild animals, all those that came off the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is a sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring the clouds over the earth and a rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all the living creatures of every kind. Never again will all the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Wherever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on earth. Thank you so much, Becca. It's so great um, to have heard God's word read out to us so well. So yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. And um, I wonder 
what are your plans out of lockdown? What, I mean, what's on your to-do list? Is it um, going to the pub? Is it going, I don't know, going for a party? Is it hanging out with friends? Maybe you're thinking about this week, you might have already bought a gazebo to put in your garden so that you can have that uh, two households or up to six people. Um, I guess uh, all of us are making all sorts of plans about what is going to come ahead. What are the things we're going to do? Are we going to be able to go on holiday or aren't we? Are we going to, you know, what, what's work going to look like? What's jobs going to look like? What's life going to look like? What things are we going to be able to, to do? We all might have all sorts of to-do lists. And I tell you what, Noah, he must have had the mother of all to-do lists. You know, everything has been wiped out. Everything has gone. He's been on lockdown in this ark for over a year now with all these animals. And I mean, I live with three girls in our household. And so I, I can't really imagine what that looks like. But, but my dad was a farmer. So I do kind of know what a bit like what it's like to, to be in, in a cow shed. And that's just with cows, let alone with all the animals of the, of the, of the earth. Um, I guess if you live with all boys, you probably, yeah, no, I, I can see what that would be like. I, I imagine you, you're thinking that. But he was, he was locked down on this ark and, and he comes out and he's got all sorts of, he's got planning, he's got plowing, he's got planting, he's got so much to do, but what does he do? He prays. In verse 20, it says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and he took some of all the clean animals, and he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelled the aroma, and it was pleasing to him. Noah, he comes out of lockdown, and his first priority is to worship God. His first priority is to pray. His first priority is to seek the Lord, to, to sacrifice burnt offerings, because he knows that he, he is righteous in God's sight because of God's grace, actually not because of his own goodness. And so he is there ready to sacrifice burnt offerings, to repent, to say sorry, and to worship him. And God smells it, and it is pleasing, and it is good, and he prays. I wonder, what's your plans? It might be pubs, it might be parties, maybe we should be thinking about how can it be prayer? How can I be building prayer into my unlocking roadmap? How can I make sure that prayer is at the focus? You know, on uh, Wednesday, in fact, every Wednesday at 12 o'clock midday, we pray. And this last Wednesday, I had a just really great time as the people in the call were just praying for, for us and the leadership and the church and those who are unwell and, and praying for us that all, that as we come out of lockdown, that all those anxieties, all those fears, all the nervousness, that God will, will take away those fears and bring faith and hope and that we would be encouraged as we get ready to to work through and I want to encourage you prayer is so important to us as a church it's why we're going to pray for the Middle East it's why we're going to pray on Wednesday it's why we do our Bible studies and it's why we we dig into God and seek him it's why we do Sunday mornings and because prayer is important you know when we work we work but when we pray God works Martin Luther King, he, he's got this famous quote where he talks about tomorrow and he says, um, oh, tomorrow is such a busy day. I've got so many things to do. I've got lots of people to meet. I've got lots of things to plan. And so what I'm going to do is spend the first three hours praying. He recognises that when he prays, God is at work and God is able to do abundantly more through him than if he just sits and cracks on with the to-do list. And Noah does exactly the same here. What I find um, really interesting, having dug into this, and we pulled it out last week, is that Noah means rest. 
And on Noah's first day of being in new creation, he stops and prays and rests, just like Adam did uh, many years before. Adam spent that time, his first day, Adam, uh, God's seventh, Adam's first, spending time with God, getting to know him, looking at creation and, and, and being with him. And Noah does exactly the same as his uh, ancestor. He spends that day worshipping, praying, sacrificing, spending time with God and putting aside the to-do list because he knows it all begins with God. And so I just, I wonder, you know, this chapter eight is, is about Noah's unlocking and the things that he does. I wonder, how do you decide what your next steps are? You know, whether it's moving house, moving job, um, coming out of lockdown, whether it's going to a new church, whether it's going, starting a family, whether it's, I don't know, buying a new car, whatever it might be, what the new thing might look like. How do you process it? Well, in here, we, we get a bit of, of wisdom about what Noah does. And, and John Groves, he, he gave this to us. He's someone who's part of the Commission family of churches. He, he prophetically spoke this to us. I just want to remind you of those quick things. And the first one was wisdom. In verses 6 and 8 of, this, of chapter 8, Noah uses only wisdom. He sends out the raven. He sends out the dove. And he uses wisdom to see, is this the right timing? Is this... Does, is this going to work for me? Is this, is this right for our family? Is this right for us to, to get out of the ark now? He uses his own wisdom, and wisdom is a gift from God. It's something that God has given us. He's given us our brains. He's given us our minds. And we can use wisdom to help us to map out the future, to make plans. And, and you know, like I said on Wednesday, that group were praying for us as a leadership team. Give us wisdom and discernment as we prepare uh, as a church to, to, to get out of, of lockdown and to, to see the map ahead. But then in verse 15... Although Noah had done all the wisdom, although he had sent out the dove and the raven, he waits on the ark. And verse 15, it says, then God calls and God told him to, to go. And Noah waited for God's call. And so I wonder, as you think about what that next step might be, the, the, the house move, the job move, the, uh, the location move. Have you heard God's voice? Has God called you? Do you know his affirmation, his yes and amen on that move. Perhaps if you don't, it's time to pause and to pray. It's to seek him, it's to trust him, it's to, to dig into his word and what he might say to you. To, to get around people that you know and love and trust who love Jesus to come and pray for you for that next step. And once you, you, he's got the wisdom, he knows oh, he's, he's done, done the birds and he's done the ravens, he's done the doves. He's, he knows that God's called him to do it and he gets out the ark and that first thing he does, he worships. Let's just read it again. It says, Noah built an altar to the Lord and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings to him. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. It's just uh, amazing how God, um, how he worships God and then God brings this amazing promise, this amazing covenant that he is going to establish that never again will he 
judge the whole world, uh, judge the evil in the world by destroying all of creation and the whole of humanity. And, and then God, in the first verse of chapter 9, he gives this amazing uh, blessing. He says that God blessed Noah and his sons and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. In exactly the same way that um, Adam spent his first day resting in God's presence, spending time with him, praying to him, talking to him, Noah does the same. And in exactly the same way, God gives Noah the mandate to be fruitful and multiply, to go into the earth, to, to, to subdue it, to, to, to fill the land in exactly the same way as he said to Adam. And what happens is this partnership is repeated. And that is what a covenant is. A covenant is like a partnership between God and man to bring blessing to the world. That's, that's how you could define it. So it's that partnership. It's not like a, a contractual agreement. It's much more like a marriage. It's a covenant between two partners. It's relational. It's personal. It's together. We are going to face the world and we're going to do this together. And that's what happens throughout the, really, the, these chapters. This is what we, we get this blueprint for, this blueprint for covenant, which is really uh, what I want to speak about this morning. It's this partnership between God and man to bring blessing to the world. That's what this covenant is. And do you know what? This is uh, he, he kind of this is the first time that the word covenant is used uh, in these chapters. It's the first time it's used in Genesis. But we kind of see a bit of a blueprint as as God uses those same words with Adam and Eve before. But now he's really establishing it. And this is really the start of four covenant promises in the Old Testament. And so what we're going to do is we're going to just take a look through those four and then we're going to see how those four covenants are really fulfilled. And so the first one then is with Noah. And um, it's just a bit later on in chapter 9. It says this. Um, I, yeah, As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. He kind of repeats it again, this, this mandate in, in verse 7 of chapter 9. And God said to Noah and to his sons, I now establish my covenant with you. And with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals that came out of the ark, every living creature, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of the flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you. A covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth this first covenant that word covenant is used seven times in those few verses in fact the words never again is used five times as God continues to establish never again will he judge all evil by destroying all of creation and he is now making this this partnership with Noah this covenant with Noah this this kind of uh, yeah, this relationship with him that through Noah and through his descendants that he will bless all creation by never again judging it all, uh, judging the evil of the world by destroying it. And the sign for that is the rainbow. You know, all, of live, all living creatures, what do they need to survive? Well, they need sun and water. Those very two elements God uses to create the rainbow, sun and water, to establish forever this covenant that whenever we see and look at that rainbow, we are reminded that never again will God decide to judge the earth 
by destroying everything. Instead, he's going to do something else, and we're going to find out about that in a few minutes' time. But this is just an amazing gift of grace, even though, as it said, all our hearts are, are inclined to evil, even from childhood. God says, do you know what? I'm going to bring you, I'm going to bring grace and sustenance. I'm going to be life-giving, the sunshine and the water, the rainbow. I'm going to give it to all, crea- to all creation and all mankind. And do you know what? What I think is just crazy is that God says this to Noah in the first half of chapter 9. And then the last bit of chapter 9, which we haven't read yet. Noah, after he's worshipped, he's prayed, he's spent time with God. What's he do? He goes and builds a vineyard. He then gets drunk and, and lies down naked. And in fact, I think that story says more about uh, Ham and Shem and Japheth, than, that's his three sons, than it does about him. But the point is that very quickly, the relationship turned sour in exactly the same way that very quickly the relationship with Adam and Eve turned sour. And so then we, we look forward. So that's the Noahic covenant. That's what, what happened with Noah. Um, you get, you, the, very quickly it, it disintegrates into chaos. You get the Tower of Babel. And, and then we are introduced to Abraham and the Abrahamic covenant. And in Genesis chapter 12, God says to Abraham this, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. There's this covenant relationship that God establishes again, having it kind of disintegrated out of Noah. He establishes a new covenant with Abraham, another a relationship where he is going to bless all the nations through this relationship with Abraham. The sign of this one is circumcision and this is how you will know that I will be your people, you will be my people and I will be your God and God partners with Abraham but then in the same way with just in a few verses time God says I'm going to give you a son through Sarah. What happens? Abraham goes and sleeps with Sarah's maidservant and he tries to force it to happen through that union and of course it doesn't work out. God still gives him Isaac through Sarah and then we get Isaac and we get Jacob and we get Joseph and what happens they all end up in slavery in Egypt. It's all quite very quickly gone wrong. So then we get Moses, the start of Exodus, we get Moses and this is the Mosaic covenant and in in, uh, Exodus chapter 19 God says this to Moses, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, and out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. The Mosaic covenant is now a covenant that God partners with all of Israel, all the people of God, and uh, he, he gives this, the sign of that is the law, it's the Ten Commandments, they're given that, Moses has that up in Mount Sinai, he brings it down to the people, he tells them about how to live for, for God and with God, he goes back up Mount Sinai, that first commandment being love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and spirit and have no other idols but me, he goes back up to the top of the mountain to meet with God again and whilst he's up there for 40 days, the people of God start building a golden calf, having an idol. They're worshipping something other than God. This relationship is starting to tear apart once again. 
God had chosen out of his grace and his blessing to partner with Israel to make this covenant that they will be a kingdom of priests, that he will make them a holy nation, that he will be for them and with them. But very quickly, the people turn bad, just like Adam and Eve, just like Noah, just like Abraham and Sarah. We get it again with the Israelites. They're turning away from God. And it quickly goes wrong. You get some good people. You get Joshua. He helps to lead the people into the promised land after Moses. But even after that, they don't, they don't trust God. They don't follow him. They turn to idols. They turn to other gods. They turn to different ways. And you end up getting the time of the judges. And uh, again, it's all gone away. But then God speaks again and he speaks to Sam. He's so committed. He's so committed to me and you that he continues to step into our world to, to refuse to destroy all creation. Instead of destroying, he's going to come in and he's going to try to make a difference and he's going to speak to people's hearts. And so now he speaks to Samuel and Samuel comes and appoints David. And then you get the Davidic covenant. And David, he's the shepherd king. And uh, Samuel comes and anoints him. And God says this, the Lord declares to you, this is 2 Samuel 7. The Lord declares to you that the Lord will, is, will himself establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest and your ancestors, you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. God partners with David and David's line and the sign is a son. And do you know what? In exactly the same way as Abraham, David tries to make it happen himself. Just a few chapters later in that same book, he ends up sleeping with Bathsheba. They have a son, that son dies. But God is still faithful to his promises to David that he sends a son, Solomon. And Solomon comes, and um, but just like before, it quickly descends into chaos. Obviously, David, he sleeps with Bathsheba, chaos. Solomon ends up not... Uh, living for God or trusting him. He has Rehoboam. Rehoboam is his son. Rehoboam is meant to be a king in David's line, leading in faith and diligence. Instead, he's greedy and wants all the money to himself. And uh, he raises taxes and does all sorts of dreadful things. And then we get into the time of the kings and uh, into Chronicles and those books of the Bible. And basically, it's just bad after bad after bad. What we learn throughout all of this is that God is faithful. He keeps coming and bringing promises and saying, I will do it. This is how I'll do it. I will bless you. I will give you grace. He keeps doing it. And yet Adam and Eve and me and you and all of us keep messing up and messing up and messing up and messing up. And none of us live like we should do. None of us do the things that we do. None of us can be relied on. And I wonder, have you relied on yourself? Have you been trusting in your, your own goodness? your own standards. I mean, I know you haven't even kept them. You know that, let alone God's. And, and yet we can trick ourselves and we fool ourselves and say, do you know what? I can overcome those bad habits and I can overcome these things and I can do that. And yet, do you know what? God says, no, you can't. The way for all nations to be blessed is, is through me, is through a true righteous relationship with me and partnership with me. And so... In, this, in that midst of all that season, uh, an amazing guy called Jeremiah comes. And just before I read his, what he says, you know, in Noah's time, 
God judged all evil by destroying the whole earth. And I've had, I've had in the past people talk to me about life, about God, about this loving God. And often they'll say things like this. If God is really loving, then why can't he just take out all the bad people on the earth? Why can't he just do that? And the answer is, well, he did. He did take out all the bad people and eight were left over. Noah, his wife, his three sons and their wives. Because the reality is, is that evil isn't out there. It runs through every one of our hearts. And so if God is going to destroy all the evil in the world, then he needs to destroy me and you because me and you are evil. We do bad things. We do wrong things. We, we do things against God. We turn away from him. And we've just seen from person after person after person after person, they do exactly the same. That we by ourselves are unable to, fulf to fulfill and come into a true and righteous relationship with God. And yet God has said, never again will I, am I going to judge evil by destroying all the earth. So he only has one other option. If you're not going to wipe everyone out, you have one other option. And that is that you come from heaven into earth and transform from within. That you transform and change every single heart and soul and mind to be transformed and renewed into your image. And do you know what? That's exactly what he does. And so in Jeremiah... He looks on and he kind of sees a day where God is going to do something different. And in the midst of chaos, in the midst of exile, in the midst of slavery, in the midst of people away from God, Jeremiah prophesies this. He says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. We've had the four already, but he can see God is going to come and make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. With the people of Israel, that's the line of Abraham. With the people of Judah, that's the line of David. It would not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. That was the Mosaic covenant. Because they broke my covenant, though I was like a husband to them. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. He's saying, I'm going to transform you from within. I will be their God and they will be my people. He goes on to say, no longer will they teach their neighbour right and wrong and to do this or to do that. No, because I will, I will basically speak to them in their hearts. I will transform. I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. There is, there is amazing prophecy that comes through that that part of the bible from like Isaiah to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called mighty god wonderful counselor prince of peace and uh, so on and do you know what what happens is that Jesus comes in the midst of all of that the new covenant starts when Jesus comes from heaven to earth and Jesus lives like Adam and Eve couldn't. And Jesus lives like Noah couldn't. And Jesus lives like Abraham couldn't. And Moses couldn't. And David couldn't. And the Israelites couldn't. And we can't. And he fulfills all the covenants. He partners with God to bring a blessing to all nations. And so at his last supper, he says, I am now bringing a new covenant in my blood. Do you know what? Jesus fulfills Noah's covenant. How does he feel for Noah's covenant? Well, he is the one that is the true bringer of the life. You know, we needed the sun and the water to bring life. Jesus is the one that brings life. He says, I am the bread of life. He says, all who are thirsty, come to me and drink. He is the son. He is the righteous one that can come and bring you life and bring blessing to all nations. He is the one that fulfills Noah's covenant. 
And Jesus fulfills Abraham's covenant. In Matthew chapter 1, um, it starts off by saying, this is the genealogy of Jesus. That word genealogy is like, this is the account. It's, it's a mark right back to Genesis where we say, where we hear, this is the account of creation. This is the account of Abraham's line. This is the account of Adam and Eve. This is the account of this. this is, it's a, a mapping on and we say, we hear, this is the account of Jesus, the Messiah. Who is he? The son of David the son of Abraham. Here we get the one, the seed, the son that comes through Abraham's line, who is going to come and fulfill the Abrahamic covenant to his people, to bring a blessing to all nations. Jesus comes, Abraham couldn't do it, but Jesus has done it. He is coming. So when he walked the earth, what did he do? He blessed people. He healed people. He prayed for people. He showed them how to come back to God. Not just his own nation, not just the Jewish people, but he spoke to all nations and all peoples and all tribes and all tongues. He came and did it and he fulfilled the Abrahamic covenant. Not only that, is that Jesus filled the Mosaic covenant. And so where that covenant was to fulfill the law for the Israelite people to trust God and obey his law. Do you know what? In Matthew chapter five, Jesus says, I have not come to abolish the law, but I have come to fulfill it. And not one dot or one iota, or not one jot of the law will be wiped out until it's all fulfilled in me. He goes on and says, you know, so the law says, do not murder. I say, don't even hate people in your heart. The law says, the law says, don't commit adultery. I say, don't even lust after people with your eyes. Jesus, he comes and he fulfills the covenant and Israel was meant to be a royal priesthood. Well, Jesus is our great high priest. Israel was meant to be a holy nation. Well, Jesus is the holy one who comes and who lives and who dies. And so in Hebrews chapter seven, it tells us about this. And he says, Jesus became the guarantor of a better covenant. Now there have been many of the priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day for the, his own sins. He, no, he sacrificed for their sins once and for all when he offered himself. Jesus is the great high priest who gathers a people and says, you will be my royal priesthood. You will be my holy nation. And when we look to him and when we trust him, then we get to partner with him to be a blessing to all nations, which is what that very covenant was meant to do in the first place. The Israelites, they were meant to partner with God to do that. They couldn't do it. They kept messing up. But in Jesus, we now can when we put our trust in him because Jesus is the one that done it. He is the one that's fulfilled all the law and he is the one that brings through his promises. And you know, lastly, Jesus fulfills the Davidic covenant and he is the true shepherd king. He is the one who sits on a royal throne. His kingdom is the one who never ends and never uh, is always eternal. His is the one, his dominion will never end, it will never fade, it will never perish. And in Luke chapter one, when the angel came to speak to uh, Mary, Jesus' mother, this is what happened. Mary was greatly troubled at the words that this angel brought. And, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favour with God. 
you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants and his kingdom will never end. Even before he was born, the angel promised what was going to happen to Mary through Jesus. And do you know what? Jesus, he has come. He has fulfilled all the covenants. And throughout the generations, people failed in their partnerships with God. But now in Jesus, he has made a way to restore us, to bring us to relationship with God. So he has fulfilled the covenants. And now through him, we can know all life. We can know blessing. We can be a blessing to all nations. We can be the ones through Jesus to come back into that covenant relationship with God. Not because we are perfect, but because he is perfect. Not because we fulfill the covenants, but because he fulfilled the covenants. And now he brings a new covenant, a new way. How can you partner with God? Is it by your works? Is it by obeying the law? Is it by being perfect? Is it by um, your, through your children? No, it's by being in relationship with Jesus. It's by trusting him. It's by being one who depends on him. Because do you know what? This covenant that Jesus brings is not one that's dependent on your faithfulness, but it's dependent on his faithfulness. There's one last... Uh, verse that I want to read out because this tells us really what this covenant is all about and it comes in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 uh, and then we're going to pray and that this is this therefore if anyone is in Christ the new creation has come the old has gone the new is here all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ I'm just going to pause there the first thing that you need to know about this new covenant that Jesus brings is that that line that runs through all our hearts of evil that God is able to forgive that completely and reconcile us to him to bring us back into relationship with God that the old is gone the new has come we are now a new creation and when we repent when we say sorry he separates our sin from us as far as east is from west and never again will he destroy us Never again will he wipe out all of creation to judge evil. Instead, God sent his son Jesus to come into this earth to transform from within so that when we put our trust in Jesus, we have a renewed mind, a renewed heart, a restored relationship that we can come with him. And God does it from within. And so if you are someone who is not in relationship with God, well, I want to encourage you today. Today is the time to be reconciled. Today is the time to come into that covenant relationship. It's to partner with God to, and, and to be with him, to be restored to him. And you can do that through Jesus, through God's own son who made a way for you. The second thing, the verse goes on. So it says, all this is from God who reconciled himself to, through Christ. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. And so we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Because God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. The second thing that I want to put out is the purpose of the covenant. To remind us right back at the beginning, when God spoke to Noah in chapter 9, 
The whole purpose of the covenant was that Noah and his family would be a blessing to all the nations, that they would go into the world, that they would multiply, that they would be fruitful, that they would share God's rule and God's reign into all creation. And do you know what the purpose of Jesus' covenant is that he would partner with us, that he would reconcile with us, that we would be ambassadors into the whole world, that we would bring God's rule and God's reign and his goodness and his blessing into all creation. And so I wonder, where do you need boldness and courage this morning? Maybe you need boldness and courage to just come to God, to put your trust in him, to to trust in this new covenant, this new relationship, this new way to connect with God, to be restored of him. Or maybe you've done that, but what we need is boldness and courage to share the good news of Jesus, to be a blessing to all the nations, to, to, to be bold and courageous, to be a voice for a voiceless, to, to be an ambassador for Christ, telling people of the good news of Jesus. Abraham, in Abraham's time, God judged the world by destroying it all. But in our time, God doesn't do that. He comes in and he gives us his Holy Spirit, the transformed from within, that we might be reconciled to him and know him and we can trust him. So let's pray and ask God for his grace and his wisdom today. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you. Thank you for this amazing covenant Lord God that you made with with Noah and then with Abraham and with Moses and with David Lord we we do thank you for those we thank you Lord God that it speaks of your unending and unfailing faithfulness to be a blessing to all people to bring restoration to this world Lord you have not abandoned us you are not slow in seeing your people uh, come to you and to know you and Lord we thank you that never again Lord, will you judge all, uh, all of uh, hum- uh, evil by wiping out humanity, but instead you've taken the slow, painful, hard road to come into this world, to restore us from within, to transform and renew our hearts. And we thank you for that. We, thank, we, we recognise ultimately, Lord God, that none of us, Lord, were able to do that. But the God-man, the King Jesus, he came into this earth. He gave up all that was in heaven to come and to renew and to transform and to restore. And Jesus, we, we thank you for the new covenant that you bought by your blood. We thank you, Lord God, that even though we couldn't do it, you've done it. And we trust you and we, we worship you and we come to you. And so I just pray for all those who don't know you right now, Lord, would they come and put their trust in you? Would they be reconciled to you through this amazing covenant that you bring, that you forgive their sins, you separate from them and you can restore us to a relationship with our Father. And I pray for all of us who have done that, who've taken that step to put our trust in you. Would you help us to be bold and courageous, to, to, to step out into the world, to know that it all starts with you, to worship you and to pray to you to recognize Lord God that we should worship you and pray to you first but that as we do that we're not like Noah who goes and just gets drunk and sits on the sideline but actually we trust in you and we follow you and then we share the good news that we are reconciled in this relationship to be a blessing to bring the goodness of God this gospel to all that are around us so give us boldness and courage I pray in your heavenly name amen Thanks for listening. We're meeting online every Sunday at 10am. Head to hopechurchgilford.com for more information. We look forward to seeing you.